Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. On Mount Sinai, Israel was in the dawning of the divine revelation. God had revealed the law to them as a portrait, a picture of himself and opened his heart's desire to them that he would be everything to them, even a husband, and that they would be a people to him and eventually become even his duplication. But the history of Israel reveals how quickly they departed from this revelation, and this sunrise soon became a sunset, leaving Israel in darkness and under the chastising hand of Jehovah. This was the situation when God had to call a young boy to be a prophet for him. Jeremiah was raised up by the Lord because Jehovah found no one among his kings, princes, or even his priests that would be faithful to him and speak his word to the people. To see Israel in the sunset of the divine revelation becomes a sober warning to us today, never to forsake him, the fountain of living waters. Bill Lawson has joined us for part two of this message on the sunset of the divine revelation. And this is not a beautiful sunset as we'd like to think of them, is it, Bill? No, Chris, it's really quite a serious and sobering thing. I think we always like to be in a sunrise, but this program today will really reveal how dark is the degradation among God's people. And it's it's a real sunset. Today's program touches a lot of the dark history. It's a bit more of a challenge in what we're going to cover today to see the hopeful, encouraging, uh, more intrinsic things that we typically cover in the life study. These kind of nuggets are there, but as I said, a little more hidden in this uh, passage. But I think this kind of message is important for us. It does serve as a kind of a warning, although there certainly is a hopeful aspect when we see how God's loving kindness and his mercies and compassions toward Israel never failed despite how dark and how abysmal really their spiritual condition became. And certainly he never forsakes us as well, does he, Bill? That's right. So it'll be interesting to see how we can glean or how we can extract some golden nuggets out of this portion today. Well, we will come back again today to see a bit of the circumstance, the situation in which God called Jeremiah Scripture tells us that the Lord had looked among the kings and princes of Israel and even the priests, and there was no one there who would be faithful to him. All had become corrupted, degraded, fallen, and so he turns to Jeremiah and calls him even as a youth, as a young person. Let's go back to chapter 1 and look at a few of these verses that we enjoyed earlier on in this life study. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you came forth from the womb, I sanctified you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord Jehovah, indeed, I do not know how to speak, for I am a youth. But Jehovah said to me, 
Do not say, I am a youth, for everywhere I send you, you shall go, and everything I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, declares Jehovah. And I am now making you today into a fortified city and into an iron pillar and into bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. And they will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares Jehovah, to deliver you. Bill, I think it's important as we begin today to point out, it may be obvious, but perhaps it's not, the ones here that became the threat to Jeremiah and even eventually that imprisoned him and mistreated him, these were not the outside enemies of Israel, were they? This is quite ironic. We would say, well, surely the Chaldeans, the Babylonians with Nebuchadnezzar as the head, they are surely God's enemies. And, of course, they were. But it seems like there are some inside enemies that the Lord had to also struggle against. And the Lord had to use Jeremiah to deal with those inward adversaries. And that's really the -the behind-the-scenes picture of what's happening in this book, those that Jeremiah was really speaking to and speaking in a very critical and harsh way were the people of Israel, even the leaders among Israel, even, as he said, the princes, the priests, the ruling class. It was a deplorable situation and required this faithful one to be willing to stand up, really, with the Lord as his only strength and only capability to speak faithfully on Jehovah's behalf. Quite a picture, quite a background, isn't it, Bill? Mm -hmm. I was considering you have about five parties there. You have Zedekiah, the king himself. Then you have the princes who were the administrative ones to help the king. Then you have the priests that were supposed to do the priestly service. And then you also have the prophets who were supposed to prophesy properly. Uh And then you had the people themselves, the society, and all five parties are fully in a sunset. And here you have Jeremiah seemingly standing against the whole situation and speaking faithfully for God. But I am with you, declares Jehovah, to deliver you. Uh, we'll see that deliverance today in our message. Here's Witness Lee. At the time of Jeremiah, it was hard for God to get a prophet. All became rotten. All the priests became rotten. All the prophets became rotten. All the princes became rotten. From where God could get a faithful, honest prophet to speak for him? Nowhere. So, in Jerusalem, God didn't get one. In Samaria, God didn't get one. So God went to a small town in that small tribe, Benjamin. God went to whom? To a young boy priest, Jeremiah. And God charged him and promised him, don't say you don't know what to say, don't say you are a youth. I am with you. I will make you a fortified city, equipped with all kinds of weapons to fight against my enemy. And I will make you still Aaron Peter. No one can cut you off. And I will make you the bronze wall. No one can fight through you. The kings, the princes, the priests, the prophets, the people, all will be against you. Because they all are against me. They all are fighting against me then I will send you as my army to fight against them. 
just one person army and no one can defeat you they will not be prevailing but you will be prevailing why because i will be with you when jeremiah was forced he took the commission to go out young boy to tell the king <laughs> you are so sinful you have to repent you have to return to god otherwise you'll be captured and he went to the princess, you princess, you the leader, you have to repent. You deceive the people. You collect a lot of things from the people without pay. Then she went to the priest, you priest, you know the law. You should judge people rightly, justly, but you didn't. Especially you mistreat the orphans, the widows, even sojourners, the foreigners who were residing in Israel. You robbed them, and you were so adulterous. You become a troop to visit the hardest houses. Then they hate Jeremiah. This was the situation. The picture that's painted here is just extraordinary. Here's this young boy almost. I don't know if he was in his teens or how old he was, but yet he approaches the king Zedekiah and he rebukes him and then he turns to the princes and the priests and one by one speaking Jehovah's word directly to these rebellious ones. No wonder that they ultimately hated him and imprisoned him. That's uh, so true. Like you're saying, for a young boy to be used by the Lord in such a way to speak to the king at that time, Zedekiah, not just to the king, but to the princes. He had a word for the priests. He had a word for the prophets. He had a word for the people. He had a word for everyone, trying to bring them back to the proper situation that they would be a real nation, one with Jehovah. So it's interesting that even in history, though, when you look at church history, Chris, many times the Lord would raise up a young person or young people to speak the word of truth to his people when the majority of the people are in apostasy and degradation. The Lord many times does it. It's really quite a situation that many times the Lord can use our youth. Even the New Testament somewhat begins this way, doesn't it? I mean, here John the Baptist ushers in the Lord Jesus as one who is coming, pretty much a young man at that time, taking a completely different direction from what the leaders among God's people were doing. And then uh, as the New Testament ministry emerges, the ones that the Lord called and raised up were, for the most part, young men, weren't they? It's the same thing with the early disciples that the Lord raised up. They were all very young. And as the New Testament unfolds, you see cases like Paul, who was gained at a young age, and even his co-worker Timothy. Even Paul had to give a word to Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Timothy, although you're a young person, yet you can still be very, very useful to the Lord. It seems that regardless of our actual chronological age in years, we all need to be such youths who are faithful and willing to be empowered by the Lord, even against the potential of a suffering loss ourselves for bringing forth a word of truth and righteousness. There's a need for this perpetually among God's people, and this age is certainly no different, is it? Right, that's right. It's interesting, too, that probably all of us would shirk if the Lord spoke to us, that we would speak for him and yeah. so on. We would probably say, I'm uh, not qualified, right. right? I don't have any experience. I don't have any spiritual weight. Yet, Jeremiah still took the Lord's word, and he was faithful 
to receive the Lord's word and speak for the Lord, and truly the Lord was with them. Even though Jeremiah faced a lot of problems, eventually he was in prison. Still, as a young person, Jeremiah was faithful to the Lord to bring Israel out of a dark night into a sunrise. If we jump ahead to chapter 37, we can see this uh, anger being displayed uh, toward Jeremiah. And the princes were angry, it says in verse 15, angry with Jeremiah, struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made it into a prison. When Jeremiah came to the dungeon and to the cells, Jeremiah remained there many days. Now, here's the situation. Jeremiah is in this prison. In chapter 38, the king Zedekiah seeks him out and asks him what he should do. In verse 17, chapter 38, Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says Jehovah, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you will indeed surrender to the princes of the king of Babylon. Now, Israel was under attack at this time, right, Bill? The king uh, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was on his way with his armies. And here is Jeremiah giving the king of Israel, Zedekiah, the word to surrender and to give up the city. And he says, if you do so, you will live, and this city will not be burned with fire, and you and your house will live But if you do not surrender to the princes of the king of Babylon, this city will be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they will burn it with fire, and you will not escape out of their hand. So at this time, it seems that Jehovah had determined he was going to give up the people, at least for a time, for their chastisement into the hands of the Babylonians. And this is Jeremiah's word to the king that he should cooperate with them. But of course, as we know, and we will see in this coming section, the king did not have the strength to obey. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. By this time, the whole Israel aha, were on the sin side of the divine revelation. The divine revelation at Mount Sinai was the sunrise. But from that day, the divine revelation was going down, 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 down to Jeremiah's time. That was the sin side. No more revelation. No more law. Even God could not be there. They give up everything concerning God, concerning God's revelation, concerning God's law. They became just in the dark night. And this forced God to chastise them, to punish them. No other way. When God would do this, he considered himself as a husband to these people of fornication. So in the first few chapters, especially from chapter 2 to chapter 6, God's tone in rebuking her was a tone of a husband speaking to the wife. Then did they listen to Jeremiah? No. The king didn't listen. The prince didn't listen. Actually, the, the priest arrested Jeremiah and handed over to the princess and the princess put him into prison. One day the last king, Jedekiah, his heart was moved. So privately Jedekiah invited Jeremiah to his home, to his palace. He begged Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah, please tell me what Jehovah has told you concerning Israel. That means concerning me as the king. Jeremiah said, you have to take my word. 
Babylonians are coming. When they come, you open the gate and go out to welcome them. Zedekiah knew this was what he should do. But he told Jeremiah, I'm afraid of those uh, Jews who deserted the Jewish people and went along with the Babylonians. They will make derision over me. Jeremiah told him, no, they will not do this. But Zedekiah didn't take Jeremiah's word. Bill, let's uh, take a couple of minutes here and just review some of this history. The king goes and privately takes Jeremiah out of the prison into the palace and has this private talk. And uh, Jeremiah really opens up uh, what is about to happen. You know, we see the king just unable to take this way, don't we? Mm-hmm. This history is quite serious in that Jeremiah is faithful to speak exactly what was on Jehovah's heart. And the degradation of these five parties is so great that they just will not listen to the word coming out of Jeremiah because the word that comes out of Jeremiah is the Lord's word. They didn't realize that it's not just this young boy, Jeremiah, speaking his mind, his opinion. The Lord told Jeremiah at the very beginning that he would be with him. Jeremiah's words would be the Lord's words. So this was quite a serious thing for Zedekiah and the other parties to reject Jeremiah's word. They were rejecting the Lord's word, really, They were not fighting against Jeremiah. They were fighting against the Lord himself. That is very serious. We need to realize that. Yeah, not only were they not fighting against Jeremiah, in a sense, they really weren't even fighting against the Babylonians. I mean, this was God allowing Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon to come and was using them to discipline, to chastise his people, it seems. And uh, so... Jeremiah's word to the king here, don't resist, and if you don't resist, you'll be spared, your family will be spared. Even the city and the temple probably would have been spared. Of course, we don't know, but this was the Jehovah using their circumstance, their environment, these uh, seeming outsiders, but uh, very much being uh, allowed to have this kind of way with the people of Israel. I think also we need to keep in mind that the Jehovah here is dealing with his people as a husband chastising an unfaithful wife. Yeah. The husband cannot just throw the wife away and just start over again. He has to try to do everything he can to recover that wife. So the Lord is using the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to do a chastising work. And in the same way, we have to realize the relationship here between Jehovah as the husband and the the nation of Israel as the wife. If you don't see the husband-wife relationship here, it's just a matter of judgment and condemnation. And there's no way that the Lord can gain a people unless he deals with his people as a husband deals with his wife. Bill, you said this displays Jehovah's heart wanting to recover this wife who had been become unfaithful. And uh, let's hang on to that word, recover. I think uh, that will give us a good point upon which we can end the program today. One last section of Witness Lee, again, uh, looking at this dark history of Israel. Zedekiah didn't listen to Jeremiah. And the king Babylon came to besiege the city for quite a few months. And Zedekiah inside the city was fighting against that irritated. Nebuchadnezzar. Then eventually the king was broken and uh, the Babylonian army entered to arrest King Zedekiah. And in the night 
while the city was still besieged, Zedekiah and his family, they escaped from a narrow gate by the garden of the palace. They got out of Jerusalem and they ran away, but when they ran up to Jericho, the Babylonian army was there. So they caught him and handed him to Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar right away killed all his sons in front of him and took off his eyes and chained him and brought him in exile to Babylon. Then the Babylonian army burned the city and destroyed the temple. And Jeremiah saw all these things. Jeremiah passed through all these things. And Nebuchadnezzar heard how Jeremiah advised the king to welcome him. So that pleased Nebuchadnezzar. So the Babylonian treated Jeremiah very, very well. The bodyguard, the head of the bodyguard of the Nebuchadnezzar told Jeremiah, you are free. If you like to go to Babylon, please go. I'll help you to go. If you like to stay here in Judah, please stay. I'll help you. So only one was free. <laughs> only one Jew was free. That was the prophesying prophet. Very interesting. Then after more than 10 years, Babylonian came back to uh, glean like the reapers of the vineyard to come back to re-reap the people. The second exile. So this means Jeremiah was at the end of children of Israel under God's revelation. Bill, it would be easy to listen to a word like this and come away quite discouraged, uh, seemingly hopeless. But uh, you mentioned this word recover. We see throughout the history, of course, ultimately there was a recovery. Israel was returned. Even the temple was rebuilt. There was a restoration and a recovery. And in principle, God always works this way with his people, even in the darkest of times, doesn't he? Right. The history, I think, we all realize of the nation of Israel and even of the Christian church is one of a cycle of degradation, devastation, apostasy, and recovery. And here we see it very clearly in the book of Jeremiah. Yeah, we see in uh, chapter 23, he tells of the coming restoration. They're being returned to dwell securely in their land. And, of course, there we see Christ himself prophesied as uh, the one that would come to Israel, this uh, shoot of righteousness out of David. And finally, ultimately, even in uh, chapter 31, I believe the new covenant there is foretold. So the Lord using these negative failures and uh, dark situations to reveal more of Christ, more of his purpose for his people. Right. In Jeremiah 23, you have a beginning of restoration and recovery, although it doesn't seem like that much. But Jeremiah is prophesying here about the future, that eventually the nation of Israel will be restored. And as you mentioned, eventually this shoot of Jehovah uh, will be raised up. And we know this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself who is raised up in incarnation to bring in the New Testament age. And surely 
you have in Jeremiah chapter 31 the matter of the new covenant where the Lord says I will make a new covenant with the nation of Israel after those days and this is exactly what he did when he came to the earth and brought us into a new covenant so in these three points of restoration of the shoot of Jehovah and the new covenant we see a sun rising yeah this is quite something we can get restored to our sunrise in the divine revelation right well Bill thanks for uh, sort of uh, suffering through with this here as we've had these dark messages in uh, these chapters of Jeremiah. You, uh, I know, are very fond of history and you obviously have uh, an interest there and your contribution's been a valuable one. Thank you. It's good to be in the program. Before we go, we would give you our toll-free number. Hope you'll call us. You can get the printed life study messages for Jeremiah and Lamentations. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.